results weren't ideal, but welcome on in to the PHNX D-Backs podcast. I'm sorry. I did it, but it fired. Yeah, it didn't fire. But anyway, welcome on in. My name is Derek Montia, formerly known as your mayor of PHNX. This guy next to me is Mr. Electric, Sean DePaz. Jesse Friedman will be joining us from Chase Field here shortly. But in the meantime, let's talk a little bit about today's loss. The Diamondbacks come up just short again. Two games in a row that the Diamondbacks lose to the Philadelphia Phillies by one run. Uh, games that were exciting late and uh, definitely not what we saw in get game two drumming, but the Diamondbacks do lose three out of four at home to the Phillies and just not a great feeling. Uh, Ryan Nelson was pretty terrible today and the Diamondbacks starting pitching rotation is starting to look a little rough. I mean, we already had bad outings from Zach Gallen and yesterday not the best outing from Merrill Kelly. Still, they gave you over six innings and he only gave up three earned runs, so I'm still not mad at, at Kelly for that, but yeah. Nelson today... Four innings pitch, ten hits, five earned, two walks, five K. I mean, Not if Jesse was here, he'd probably say uh, he did get some good whiffs on the changeup yeah. at times. Uh, but <laughs> if uh, you know, honestly, he was throwing pretty much wasn't effective with with much. His his four seam fastball was what he was dealing with. Uh, the changeup did look good at times, but Ryan Nelson put the bullpen, who was fairly outstanding, in quite the predicament today. Uh, I'm just glad to not see these Philadelphia Phillies anymore. Yeah, um, I I'm... thought today might go a little differently because there was no JT Romuto. Um, did not. Uh, but yeah, this was a very frustrating series. Um, every single, like outside of the second game, which was a complete you'd throw away, like they were in at all of the games. Yeah. If it wasn't for the area yesterday, they, there's a good chance. I'm not going to say they win that game because they have not been good in extras. They've just um, been terrible in extra innings so but, far. But yeah, um, no, they, they definitely had a chance at winning that yeah. game. And that... Uh, the, obviously, the the error causing the loss feels like it hurts more than just you know you hit a home run or something. Yeah, whatever. But when you when you lose on that kind of play, it yeah, really exactly. sucks. Uh, yeah. But anyway, I guess the question that we're going to ask now is: Do the Diamondbacks do anything with their starting rotation between now and the trade deadline? Because obviously, some moves can be made. I do feel like there is. Uh, you know, there, there's some things to address, and the Diamondbacks do have options, even some options that we haven't seen up here at a major league level yet this year. But mm -hmm. do you think that we'll see the Diamondbacks maybe call up a Brandon Fott or even go to Dre Jameson as a starter between now and, and the trade deadline? Or do you just think they'll stick with this? Because um, they we have a while, right? It's yeah. June 15th, trade deadline's August 1st. We don't know how soon the Diamondbacks are going to make a move, but as it stands right now, we feel like they're buyers and that yeah. they're going to be aggressive at the trade deadline based on what Mike Hazen said. So I just don't I don't know if we're going to see them do anything to address the starting rotation in, in the time. being. Yeah, I don't. It's tough because I think there, there's obviously a part of you that wants to make sure you've seen everything before you go out and make moves at the trade deadline. So, you know, exactly what you have. Um, and at this point. It, the starting pitching is not doing its job. But uh, on the other hand, it's like who in the starting lineup is really doing their job because it's not like your aces are really getting it done either. So I don't know you, if it's more of a, you have to look at at more of a big picture thing as opposed to at individuals. I mean, we, we saw what fought was up here and it wasn't great. Um, not that he doesn't deserve a second chance at some point, but um, I, I don't know. I think they, they probably should do something, especially if the starting pitching just consist continues to be this inconsistent and this frustrating. But I am not sure that I like. I, I don't think that necessarily the answer, like Fod, is going to be the answer. Like I'm not. I, I don't think that. 
I think it'd be more of a test as opposed to being like, okay, this is the movie I have to make and we figured it out. Right. Um, you try it, see if it works. I'm not confident that it would work. You don't want to rely on Fott though. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like you don't want that to be your end all be all. Like and and obviously, even if Fott struggles, that's it's still him adjusting to a major league level. Yeah. And at one point they still believe that this guy is going to be a quality major league starting pitcher. But we talked a lot about the Diamondbacks pursuing relief pitching and after today, at least for the time being, I'm just I'm just being reactionary yeah. in the moment. But uh, the bullpen was great today. Yeah. Uh, they went five innings without giving up a run. They gave up three hits total. Dre Jamison went two and a third, gave up two hits, no runs, striking out three. Kyle Nelson, two-thirds of an inning, gave up one hit uh, and a walk. Castro, one and, third, uh, one and a third innings, uh, one walk, one strikeout. Chafin closed things out, two-thirds of an inning, one strikeout. So... The bullpen got the job done. Yeah, and then it's not. It was it was a couple of guys too that I think D-backs fans were starting to get a little frustrated with, and they, they came out and turned out good outings. So specifically Castro. Yeah, Miguel um, Castro, or you know, obviously Chafin. Like these guys have been overutilized. Yeah, and I know Castro yeah, yeah. for a period of time there was pretty good, but mm-hmm. yeah, he's had a couple of bad outings as Chafin has, as almost everybody in the yeah. bullpen at this point has, but. I, I feel like they're figuring out the reliable guys that they can count on, and it's it's working for them J- just today uh, as, as much as they tried to answer back, and they did answer back with a big home run from Cattell Marte to take the lead briefly. It just wasn't enough. Kyle Nelson, again, five earned runs, gave up 10 hits, uh, just a flat-out terrible outing for him, uh, and also a terrible outing for the three, four, and five hitters in this yeah. lineup. Uh, they were flat-out awful today, going a combined 0 for 12. And that's Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who has just absolutely struggled since returning from injury, uh, Corbin Carroll, and Christian Walker. So those three yeah. just not, not getting the job 4 with four Ks. I didn't even realize he had 0 for 4 with four strikeouts today. Yeah, and I mean— I it, tried. I tried to get the hair out. Yeah, I tried to did. get the hair going. We tried to do something. But. And, I mean, there's, there's a couple of ways you can look at this, right? Like— a, you got good production from the bottom of your lineup, which is always nice to have. They got tremendous production. It, uh, it only matters so much when uh, the top of your lineup's not doing anything. And obviously, Correct. like, I, I mean, I, more obvious, I guess, to us than the, the team. But w- when you're putting Pavin at your starting lineup, you're basically starting your lineup with the two-hole. Like, Pavin is not is not a real, a real leadoff for a, a playoff, uh, for a dangerous team in the no, I just, I don't understand why... They continue. Neither do I. Yeah, I. I, Right. It's it's. He's betting one ninety nine. Paven has struggled, and he is not. I mean, he doesn't offer speed. He doesn't doesn't offer consistency with his bats. He's not even like Jake McCarthy, who we saw today once again. Yeah. Turn an out into a triple. He turned an out into a triple. He should have been out at first base. He slides in. He beats the foot foot race essentially. Wins the foot race. uh, Gets on first. Steals second. Causes a throwing error. Uh, by stealing second, gets into third. That's the kind of stuff that you need from a leadoff hitter, a guy yeah. that is going to do whatever it takes to get on base. Yep. Josh Rojas, at one point, was a very good leadoff hitter for this team. He was that kind of guy. Even though he still hasn't hit a home run, uh, Josh Rojas was able to be the disruptor, as we have started calling him, <laughs> and he was able to get on base and make things happen. But uh, one thing that I don't think any Diamondbacks fans will argue with right now uh, is that we need to see more of Gabriel Moreno at catcher uh, and not oh a my. 50-50 split with Carson Kelly. Yeah, That's probably not going to be the case. Uh, Tori Lovello is going to Herrera. do a 50-50 split with Carson Kelly. Uh, Lovello is going to do everything he can to try to get Kelly back on track. And that's something uh, we talked about in the watch-along today, but 
it, it it needs to be said more about baseball. Like when these guys get injured, even when they're out for a few days, it can take a whole month mm -hmm. for them to get back on track. And, sometimes, particularly right? at the catcher position, like yeah. there's a whole out, a different aspect of that. Where you got to get together with your timing, your, arm your speed, pitchers, all and everything. Sorts of stuff, yeah, right? um, yeah. It's definitely it's definitely an adjustment, and I I think ultimately the best case scenario is that you get Carson Kelly back to what we know he can be, which is by no means it's, he's not going to be JT Romuto, but he can be a very good catcher. I mean, I keep joking about how he was the best player in baseball last year in the month of June. There was which, a period of time where he was very good. It was yeah. true. Like he was, he had an incredible month. Um, and so but, we know he's capable of playing good baseball. And so I think taking the risk of playing him a bunch now, even when it might not be the best thing for the team in the hopes that you get him back to what he can be is a worthwhile risk. That's the risk. But it is a little bit of a risk. Like yeah. you are, you are kind of, you're selling a little bit at that catcher position, at least over these couple of games, when you have Carson Kelly there because he's ineffective. Well, we're um, going to take a look at the numbers in the series when it comes to stolen bases, but the Phillies were running all over Carson yeah. Kelly, and that's that's the truth. Today, they only attempted one stolen base, and they did successfully steal that base on Gabby Moreno. But uh, as as we were talking about, it, it was, there was a lot going on, and yeah. there was a lot in between there was a run on Gabby at and, that point. Yeah, uh, but he was two for four today with an RBI, and again, Carson Kelly has just looked a bit lost at lost at the plate. Uh, and I don't know what to say other than like, it feels like the diamondbacks are potentially sacrificing wins to try to get these guys going. I understand what you're saying where, yes, that is something that is worth the risk at times, especially if we can get uh, both of our catchers, you know, kind of catching fire a bit there and, and be able to give them that relief of splitting time while both of them are able to be productive. Kelly said it himself though. He did not want to return to this team until he was right because of how well this team was playing. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to be a detriment to this team. And in all honesty, that's what is happening. And it's it it's it's what he knew was going to happen, yeah. I think, in a way, because again, it takes a while for you to get back on track. So you don't want to be out there in the lineup going 0 for 4 and and being part of the reason why this team doesn't win a game. Yeah, right? and so, at that point, it's it's not good for anybody. Right, it's, <laughs> like, not, it it's not good for yourself and anybody. And, and again, you you love the team in a way that you want to see them continue to succeed, and you definitely don't want to be part of the reason why they don't. But mm -hmm. uh, one of the guys that was the reason that they were in this game, and of course a big part of the offense today was our King Snake, and that is Cattell Marte. He was 2 for 4 today with three RBI and a home run. And uh, King Snake, uh, our Cattell Marte is... Uh, our, <laughs> I think the mouse died. The mouse died on our computer, so no more graphics for uh, David, you got to go run and grab a computer or a phone charger. <laughs> I, I was trying to buy him some time there, but Cattell Marte, again, uh, looked good today. He had a scary moment yeah. where he thought he might be injured. He didn't look great. We thought we were going to get Tori Lolo out there looking at him in the face and seeing <laughs> if he was hurt. But yeah, uh, again, great day for Cattell. Yeah, I just feel like we can't say enough about how not, how like refreshing it is based on this from like the Cattell we got last year. Yeah. And, and oh, obviously yeah. he was dealing with a lot of injuries, which is why anytime you see him grimacing. That's why we, uh, yeah, it's we a freak little, out. It's a little we scary. absolutely freak out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he he. You mentioned how in, in, inept the, the top of the lineup was. The exception is Cattell Marte, and honestly, yeah. at this point, I would I want Cattell leading off. I think he would be. Uh, I think he has an uh, ability to lead off get on base a lot, and he also has the ability to go yard and break open a game in the first See, at bat. That's something I'm, that Tori had mentioned. That's the other why day. I've always liked him in the two hole, just to give Cattell that opportunity to have somebody on base before him 
give him that opportunity to RBI. And it's not like once you get out of the first inning, it's not like any of that matters anyway. Yeah. But it's still like hitting leadoff. That's the one thing with with Cattell is he does have the power to drive in guys. He yeah, does yeah. have that ability. But and, it doesn't matter. But it, it, if that's your reason for not batting him leadoff, then you need someone who's better at getting on base. In front correct. Of him. Like there's yeah. no point in doing that right. if you're going to put Paven Smith there. Even though he's hitting 306, thoughts on Corbin Carroll leading off? I mean, does that not just seem I'm, like the most natural place yeah, for him it, to be? It, I mean, for a lot of the same reasons that Cattell, you would you would and would not want Cattell leading off. Right. Like Not being it, able to. If, if anything, it, it's those things to the more extreme, right? Like yeah. you don't put him an opportunity to drive runners in, which we know he's very capable of doing. He's a tremendous hitter. 306 um, with a 977 OPS right now. Yeah, but you want to talk about a guy that gets on base, and when he gets on base, has the ability to wreak havoc. Yeah, like yeah and honestly you you mentioned him if we're just throwing anybody at, at, at lead off yeah put lead off Jake, put i mean Jake he's hitting 223 now so he has a better batting average than pavin smith there's yeah. no reason why you wouldn't swap those guys and that's and considering how bad he did before chance. he got sent down like he's yeah. been a very good hitter since he's come back yeah. and you know he's capable of bunting you know he's capable of again creating havoc once you get on base and that's what you want from a leadoff guy as a guy yeah. that's going to make people uncomfortable as soon as the game starts essentially and pavin is clearly not that right now um <laughs> right yeah he's clearly true. not that i don't think he's making anybody nervous or uncomfortable and i think you have a number of guys in this lineup like the three that we just mentioned in cattell um cattell corbin and jake like any of them have an ability to kind of create chaos um they do and i would i would rather that than well i mean really pavement doesn't i think have a place in this lineup at all right now but if it is anywhere it's at the bottom of the lineup yeah I agree. But even then, it's like the bottom of the line is producing. You want to put him there and ruin that? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's hard when he's not, he's Dominic, not hitting the baseball. Dominic Fletcher is available. There's other options. I think Dominic Canzone is another guy. We lead the league in Dominics. We talked about that yesterday. But Kyle Lewis. I don't know. We'll see what happens. If I was a betting man, and I am a betting man, uh, I would put money on this team rebounding after not uh, doing well against this Phillies team. But one way that you can be a betting person and not actually risk any money is checking out the Bet MGM Swing for the Fences promotion. All you got to do is log into the Bet MGM Sportsbook app on, on iOS or Android, play the Bet MGM MLB free to play game from May 27th through September 7th. Be a batter, pick an area of the strike zone, and depending on where you pick, you'll get a single, double, triple, or home run or pop out. Uh, you've never flied out. I've never flied out. I did it again I today. Don't, I we still it. don't believe you. We called you a liar on the show the other day, but uh, you'll receive the prize associated with that type of hit. Prizing must be used on MLB and expires in 24 hours. Again, if you haven't signed up for the BetMGM app yet, use bonus code PHNX. There's a few different offers depending on where you live, but for our Arizona audience, you will get up to $100 in bonus bets on your first wager with BetMGM. Again, make sure you use bonus code PHNX. Check out the show notes for full details, and now listen to Shane talk about the disclaimer. Just kidding. You're not going to because um, we don't have a working mouse right now. Oh, so we're going to have to go. No? You are, we we don't have, do we even have the old-fashioned I don't disclaimer? know if we – do we have the full-fashioned, old-fashioned disclaimer? I don't what think is we do. No. No. So I, we're going to have to we're, – we're going to have to have – There we uh, go. There we go. And now listen to Shane. Now, now listen to Shane. Talk about the disclaimer. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF-IOWA, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 
Well, we thank those of you that have joined us today in the PHN Exports YouTube channel. Make sure to sign up and subscribe for the channel if you haven't done so. Sign up for notifications that way you don't when any of the shows go live. Leave us a little thumbs up, especially with Jesse coming in here next. You know he loves that. You know he's going to love that. Uh, and if you haven't already done so, subscribe on your favorite audio podcasting app. Leave us a review. We always appreciate that feedback. Uh, and sign up today for our PHNX Diehards membership. Uh, you'll get your money back right away. How, you ask? Well, you'll get a $50 gift certificate to Mountain Mike's Pizza. You will get a free piece of merchandise from the phnxlocker.com. You'll also get 20% off all future purchases. So grab our brand new answer back shirt. There you go. There's there's a reason right now to sign up. Get that uh, diehard membership. You'll also get access to our members-only Discord. You'll get Jesse's newsletter, full count. You'll get so much more, including members-only discounts with our partners, members-only invite to events, and so much more. Grab that diehard membership today. Uh, and now joining us from some press box, or I don't even think it's a press box. It's Yesterday it was the visiting GM's uh, suite, but joining us from somewhere in Chase Field, it's the one and only Thunderstick, Jesse Friedman. Jesse, how are things? How's the things are great. Yeah, we have we have luxury accommodations here in the, <laughs> uh, in, the in the visiting GM suite. They take good uh, they take good care. Are there free of, hot dogs uh, in there? GM. I, I just want to know if they're free hot dogs. No, truth be told, there's a there's a fan and uh, there's a, a a monitor that's maybe twenty four inches to watch the game <laughs> on. Not not especially large, but there is an outstanding view from here. I'm I'm honestly kind of jealous. What we get in the press box isn't isn't quite what we got going yeah. on here. Yeah, not not quite as nice, of course, but uh, not a great not a great series, not a great loss, another close one uh, that felt like the Diamondbacks were going to maybe come back and, and take it, maybe split the series. But what's the mood like with Tori Lovello and the players there at Chase Field? Definitely frustration. Uh, you know, the the vibes from from Tuesday of flush it and move on, uh, I think, are, are very changed today. Um, and maybe yesterday to, to some degree as well. The Diamondbacks seem pretty frustrated with this loss. And uh, I think it comes down to the little things. That's what Tori Lovello kind of kept coming back to in his post-game presser today. You know, if they if they take care of the little things in this game, maybe maybe the outcome is different. And in this game, I think there are a few different things you can point to. Uh, there's Ryan Nelson not covering first base uh, in what turned out to be a, a big inning. He was a little bit late over there. Granted, yeah. Trey Turner was, was running up the line, so you don't necessarily know if you'd get him anyway. Uh, but that was a mistake that certainly stood out in this game. Uh, there was also late in the game, Corbin Carroll decided to lay down a bunt, uh, a little bit of a, a tricky read for Cattell Marte, who was on first base. This was in the eighth inning. Um, but I think with a with a better slide, I think Cattell probably yeah, should have yep. been safe at we talked second about base. Um, yeah, yeah for, his body was there way sooner than his foot actually touched the base. So uh, that's another thing, you know, maybe could have, could have started a, a big inning for the D-backs. But yeah, ultimately, I, I wouldn't say... Uh, at least from my perspective, I don't really view this series as being an egregious loss or anything. I mean, at the end of the day, the Phillies had all three of their best pitchers going in the series, and the Diamondbacks had only one of their two. Uh, so just the way that, that things lined up was was not favorable at all coming into this series. And there's a reason the Phillies have been playing really good baseball mm -hmm. lately. Uh, they just beat the Dodgers in a series, and I think it won 8 out of 10 entering this series as well. So they're a good team. They're a much better team than they've shown themselves to be so far this year. And the D-backs just caught them at a, at a bad time. 
That's what I keep trying to remind people is that this team was in the World Series last year and they started last season slow too. Like this is a good roster with good pitchers and good batters, mainly good batters. Might even be a better roster than last year's team (laughs) that made the World Series, arguably. Uh, And yeah, I think the big thing that we talked about uh, is the mistakes, right? Mistakes piled up in all of these games. Like you could flush that, that Tuesday game, right? But when you take a look at the other losses, they were close games. That the Diamondbacks made a lot of mistakes in all, you know, all of these mis- all these games. Uh, I I, w- I said it during our watch along, kind of jokingly, but it almost felt like the Diamondbacks made more mistakes in this series than they have the rest of the season. That's that's how it's piled up. I mean, uh, base running errors, like you said with Cattell, uh, we you know we saw the big error in extra innings yesterday or the big mistake, uh, and that's an interesting point uh, or an interesting topic people have been discussing is that mistake and whose fault it was i know that you were there yesterday and i know that obviously a lot of people who played baseball and were taught baseball as like little kids have always been taught that a ball like that belongs to the outfielder uh but what what did you take away from jake uh and his uh, i think i think he kind of owned up and took a bit of responsibility for that for that mistake yeah, he did. Uh, it, it was interesting the way that things kind of evolved yesterday after the game. Tori Lavello initially said that they were both calling for it as loudly as they possibly could, but neither guy could hear each other. Uh, when we talked with Jake McCarthy after that, he said that he actually could hear Geraldo Perdomo, uh, but that he was also uh, calling for it and that Perdomo couldn't hear him. Um, I also heard, or at least if you go back and, and look at it, uh, some people have told me that uh, that what you see is Jake calling for it early, but not calling for it late, uh, which certainly would have been a mistake beyond just not being loud enough. If he actually wasn't calling for it late at all and Perdomo was, that certainly would be uh, his fault, I guess you would say. Um, but yeah, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it was a miscommunication. It seems like if you know, if you're if you have to put the blame on on one of those two guys, it it would maybe go on Jake, and he took responsibility for that after the game yesterday, but. At the end of the day, it's a mistake that just can't happen, right? You just you cannot afford to lose a game like that in that manner. And uh, frankly, you know, I mean, on the whole, maybe it feels like the Diamondbacks kind of got blown out in this series, you know, losing three out of four games. But frankly, they played three games that were basically 50-50 ball games, right? I mean, the, yeah, the yeah. Monday game that the Diamondbacks won, uh, you know, they were the Phillies were within a few feet of taking the lead there in the ninth inning against Miguel Castro. Literally. Um, with you literally within a few feet and then and then the game yesterday obviously came down to that miscue and you could make a case today uh that this game uh would have ended differently if the diamondbacks had not uh made a couple of those those key mistakes that they that they made in this series so three really close games and then obviously the the clunker on tuesday uh although we you know we enjoyed watching josh rojas pitch but out out of that i don't i don't think anyone wants to talk about that game anymore not at all but we do have to take a look at the numbers in this series which definitely don't look great so let's take a look at those uh yikes jesse yikes big yikes for a lot of things here yeah the obviously the starting pitching era is what stands out the most right an 8.66 era uh as as i said earlier the diamondbacks only had one of their two premier starting pitchers going in this four game series that meant that zach davies tommy henry and ryan nelson all had to pitch uh and we've talked a lot about those three and how three-fifths of this diamondbacks rotation is pretty subpar and that very much showed itself in this series all three of those guys uh tommy henry zach davies and ryan nelson they all gave up more runs than innings pitched 
And, and those are the kinds of starts where it's really hard to win a game like that, right? If your starter mm -hmm. goes, as I think Davies, it was three innings, six runs, only four of them were earned uh, on Monday. Somehow the Diamondbacks wound up winning that game. Um, but outside of that, it's, it's, you know, it's just really tough when, uh, when your starting pitchers are, are frankly uncompetitive and, and the Phillies on the other hand, were were actually pretty good. Zach Wheeler was really good. Uh, Ranger Suarez was really good. And Aaron Nola, uh, you know, despite a big four run inning at one point in this game, he was pretty, pretty solid today too. I think the thing that is egregious here is being outdone in stolen bases, Jesse, uh, they were running all over Carson Kelly in those games, and uh, eight to two in the stolen bases category very much shows uh, what was happening in, in this series. The Phillies were the ones that were creating chaos on the base path. Yeah, it was kind of like they it was like they switched roles for a series almost. Like the Hate Phillies it. were creating all of the chaos on the base paths. The Phillies were relatively sharp defensively in this series, uh, whereas the Diamondbacks really made a few. Uh, uncharacteristic mistakes. So, uh, yeah, I, I think in some ways you can feel okay moving on from this, knowing that those aren't the kinds of things that are probably going to happen all that often for this D-backs team. They are one of the best defensive teams in the league. They are one of the best base running teams in the league. Uh, they do have Gabby Moreno, who is a, you know, has a, has an incredible arm. Uh, you don't, you don't think that uh, teams will be stealing that many bases against them in a four game series all that often moving forward. But you know, of course, that goes back to Carson Kelly and, and Gabby Moreno and, and the split of playing time between those two. You know, a lot of people were not happy to see Carson Kelly play in three games in this series. Worst loss, today's loss or the extra innings loss? Obviously, Ooh. both one run, but I mean, I'm, extra innings loss. I'm feels, saying the extra innings loss yeah. just because of how egregious that one, like the, the Jake McCarthy situation was. Like the teams, obviously, you don't know that they win the game, but they give themselves a much better chance of winning the game if that happens. Like, that that specific mistake makes that loss a lot harder to swallow. The numbers would disagree with you, though. Yeah, Am I right, Jesse? Because they have been terrible in extra innings this year. Yeah. Yeah, let, yeah. let's talk a little bit about extra innings. The Diamondbacks this season in extra innings are 0 for 15. They do not have a base hit in five total That's innings. That's so awful. Over 15. Which is bad. And it's it's bad enough as it is. It's, it's even worse when you get factor in the fact that they start with a runner in scoring position like Correct. they start with somebody on second base yeah. and they can't do anything and the thing that really gets me and jesse going the thing that's really frustrating to watch in the extra innings game is the lack of management by mm. tori lavello to try to manufacture a run in some way the diamondbacks have a lot of speed on their team they have the ability to do things that could cause the other team to make mistakes and it doesn't feel like they lean into it enough in that particular situation I don't know if they just clench up and get a little, you know, nervous because the game's on the line and it went, when we're getting into extra innings or what. But like uh, that, that might explain why sometimes this team has, you know, trouble scoring late in games as well. Like it's not just extra innings. We've seen this team struggle just scoring after the fifth inning. It feels like. Yeah, that has that has been a trend as well. That's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I asked Tori yesterday after the game, you know, about the struggles in, in extra innings. And, uh, you know, I mean, the D-backs have only moved a runner to third base twice in those in those five innings. So it's not just that they're they're getting out, but they're not productive outs. And you can score that runner from second base without necessarily getting a base hit. 
right? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're even a productive ground out, you don't even have to bunt necessarily. Um, you do sort of understand yesterday, Lourdes was the first hitter to come up in that inning. And Tori said after the game that with Lourdes up, bunting was not really yeah. an option. Uh, and you can understand that, especially with sure. the D-backs down a run. It, yeah. it wasn't necessarily a time to, to play small ball. Ideally, you're looking for two runs in that situation rather than one. But yeah, on the whole, you know, could the Diamondbacks try to lean into, uh, you know, the small ball aspect of this team a little bit in some of those moments? Uh, I do think if you look at the full body of work and all, all of the extra innings that they've played, they have not done that enough. They probably need to embrace that a little bit more. Um, and, and yeah, try to try to get out of the rut of just not being able to get that ghost runner home from second few concerns about this four game series wasn't it's not just the offense uh starting pitching you had henry going four and two thirds innings you had davies going three innings now you have nelson going four innings today uh yeah. worried about the bullpen being a bit overworked after this series absolutely yeah i mean i i don't think the diamondbacks can afford to do this for very long uh if ryan nelson tommy henry and Zach Davies are all going to have such short starts consistently. That's a problem, uh, you know, even with Dre Jameson back there to provide some length and apparently Joe Mantiply back there to provide some length too. Uh, there's still just not enough manpower in that bullpen to, to weather that storm. Uh, one interesting nugget after the game, Tory was asked if he is fully committed to Ryan Nelson making his next start. And he said that it was under discussion, that it was being discussed uh, he added a caveat that as they always do, like it's being discussed as it always is, um, trying to make it sound like that's something they do after every start. Not so sure if I fully buy into that. Uh, if you had asked Tori after his start in Detroit, which was pretty effective, uh, you know, are you fully committed to Ryan Nelson making his next start? I doubt he gives the answer, you know, we'll talk about it. He he would have absolutely, right? He would have absolutely just gone out and said, of course, he, you know, he threw five and two thirds scoreless innings. So uh, I do think that Tory answering that way means probably that the Diamondbacks are considering other options with that rotation spot. Um, you know, obviously there's three starters here who are struggling, not one. But I think if you had to pick one guy at this point that, you know, maybe it makes the most sense to move on from, Ryan Nelson is is probably that guy. As far as who they could go to to replace Ryan Nelson, it's a little bit complicated. You've got Brandon Fott. Of course, down in the minors, he's the primary depth option right now. Uh, he pitched really well his last time out, but he wasn't particularly good his his two starts before that in Reno. I don't know if they're quite ready to go back there. Uh, so at that point, you have to wonder if a bullpen game uh, could be on the table for the D-backs, something like what the Phillies did on Monday where they had Matt Strom come out to start the game, give you a couple of innings, um, and then piece things together from there. I don't know if that necessarily helps with the – the lack of arms in the bullpen yeah, though. I mean, it, right. it's not really a solution to that problem. So uh, yeah, I mean, the D-backs just need those guys to give them more than what they're giving them right now. And in some ways it feels like the trade deadline can't come soon enough because, you know, that's probably when the D-backs uh, could actually bring in another arm externally. I think that would be pretty hard for them to do right now. Well, and that was our big question in our first segment today, Jesse was, do the D-backs do anything with their starting pitching rotation between now and the trade deadline? And I'm not necessarily just suggesting that they're going to make a trade. Like, we know they're going to be aggressive, but we've also added, you know, our own caveat of the fact that it's going to be difficult for them 
to maybe get a, a high quality caliber starting pitcher. They might go for a relieve reliever. They might go for something else, right? But uh, do you think that at the very least they won't do anything with these guys? Like maybe send Ryan Nelson down, maybe call up a Brandon Fott between now and the trade deadline, which is still pretty far away. I mean, we're talking about forty-five days away from the trade deadline. Or do you think that they could potentially do something sooner than that, like like in the immediate future? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Ryan – I don't think Ryan Nelson's spot is particularly secure. Uh, I think Zach Davies' spot is probably pretty secure. I think Tommy Henry, for better or worse, his pro, his spot is probably more secure than Until Ryan they can do something spot. about it, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I see the D-backs sending down Ryan Nelson. Um, I mean, he's been up here the whole season. You know, you'd probably – I would think you would maybe try him in, in the bullpen first. Um, okay. But – of course, with with Dre Jamison, uh, tore another thing that stood out after the game today is Tori said the D-backs are beyond the point of being able to convert Dre Jamison back into a starter. So good, uh, good. You could maybe oh, you could maybe yeah. use him as that opener. Um, yeah. But he is he is in the bullpen at this point, um, and you know maybe they would be hesitant to do that with Ryan Nelson given. Uh, the lack of of starting pitching depth that they have right now. Dre Jamison just has different energy coming out of the bullpen. And we kicked around yeah. the idea about him even having kind of closer energy. I'm not saying that that's the best option, considering that he can give them such long relief, right? So, like, I like Dre in the role that he's in now. He seems to be having success there. And, again, if you want to criticize Tori Lavallo, you could criticize that he changes people's roles too often, mm. right? And I feel like sometimes some stability in knowing what you're going to play. I'm not saying off days and things like that, but I'm just saying, like, it feels like sometimes when guys are on a roll, uh, Tori goes with, like, a game plan he has set in place regardless of what's happening in real time, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of Tory gripes uh, in this series, right? Uh, yeah. There's there's yeah. Carson Kelly playing the three games. There's you know Corbin Carroll sitting yesterday uh, with both Moreno and Cattell Marte out of the lineup. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of a lot of. It's amazing how one day the entire fan base loves the manager, and then three days we were talking later, manager of the losses. year. We were saying yeah. shoe in for NL manager of the year, and now we're like. Yeah, what is going on? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, and of course, what yeah. really happened here is they played a very good Philadelphia Phillies team. I think that's what it comes down to. And you got to give credit where credit is due. What Real Muto did at Chase Field was unbelievable. The guy just couldn't stop hitting the ball. Two home runs, two triples, two doubles. Man didn't even see the time for singles, but he stopped and got one anyway on, on his way to getting a cycle. So, uh, and that was in the loss. Uh, it was just, yeah. it was a ridiculous series. And I think... This guy next to me said it best when he said he's just happy to see the Philadelphia Phillies go away. Yeah. Just go away. This is the first we time all year I, I wasn't having fun. <laughs> like, yeah. I wasn't having fun it's watching like the Diamondbacks. The in this Phillies series. and the Marlins. Those two series have been the, like the games that like it. It they feel even you know they played them both twice now and it just it was a battle the whole time and and for some reason they just couldn't figure these teams out and uh, it's frustrating. Because we've seen the Diamondbacks have so much success. The the way they played in this game was more of what we saw throughout last year. And we pin a lot of the losses on the bullpen last year. But to be honest, a lot of it was on days like this where they just weren't very sharp defensively. They weren't doing all of the little things that they do in order to win games. 
maybe this team has to be relatively perfect in order to maintain the level of success that they've reached. Uh, and maybe that's not sustainable. Maybe that's not possible. But uh, it does feel like, you know, that this team was playing like error-free baseball for quite a while before they ran into the Phillies. The Phillies are just so much better than a lot of the teams the D-backs have mm -hmm. played recently. Like yeah. even, even though the Phillies aren't a, a great team necessarily, I don't necessarily think, as I said yesterday, that they're a lock to make the playoffs or anything in the National League. But there's a huge difference between the Phillies and the Tigers or the Phillies and the Rockies or the Phillies and the Nationals. D-backs have had a really easy schedule recently, and they've played like an elite team in those games, right? You can't right. ask for anything more yeah. than to add, to just run over all of those teams. That's what the D-backs did. Uh, but even so, there is still this narrative of can the D-backs win against the Phillies? Can the D-backs win against the better teams. teams around yeah. the league? And and lately it's been a little shaky. They lost that series to the Braves. They lost three out of four here to the Phillies. Uh, they did win some games early in the season against against good teams, right? Taking three out of four from the Dodgers and whatnot early in yeah. the year. Um, but, but that narrative is coming still, up. They have the Rays coming up this month at the end of the month. They yeah. have the Brewers coming up. They have some tough teams still left. And it's not like uh, it's not like they're going to see another month like they saw in, in May, where May really was just filled with sub 500 opponents that the diamondbacks took care of business against right now what yeah. we're seeing them do they're they're getting to a point and it just each month progressively gets harder so maybe it's a good thing maybe you know the diamondbacks were on such a roll that now they kind of have a chance to reassess what their true weaknesses are and you know it's a good time because here the you know they they talked about being aggressive at the trade deadline hopefully they can do some things to improve this team but you still have to feel fairly confident that the, the pieces are here already, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, like, say this team is a World Series contender the way they're built, but, man, with some of the way that some of the guys that are in the minor leagues have been playing and the way that they have produced when they've come up to a major league level, it definitely feels like the Diamondbacks def could have the pieces, but I just don't know, starting pitching-wise, where uh, where they're going to get some, some help for yeah. Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen. I mean, no team is, I mean, you look at a team like the Braves, who a large part of them, they are self-built, but like no team is completely self-built. Like the, yeah. any team that wins championships is eventually going to have to go out and acquire top level talent. It's that third yeah. level. Yeah. It's like three levels, right? And it's like the Diamondbacks somehow moved through two levels pretty fast. Mm -hmm. We just talked about last year, not really knowing who their core was or deciding on who their core was. And now it feels like they have an established core of young talent to build around. And then it's about winning with those guys. Yeah. And then that last piece is like adding those extra, those, you know, calling in those reinforcements and making that team a championship caliber team. And honestly, with the way that Mike Hazen is talking all crazy, it feels like this might be like, if he can, this might be his chance to literally skip through all of those levels over the course of one season where that usually takes a team longer you know to build and and figure those parts out and i mean yeah last year was a big part of establishing the core for sure but uh that gabriel moreno trade bringing mm -hmm. him over really felt like it solidified like at least four four young guys that they can build around and make this team a winner for not just this year but for the foreseeable future i just don't know if they're going to be successful in the trade market at getting those pieces that that they need to get them to that next level 
I don't think they really have a choice, uh, especially on the starting pitcher front. I mean, the Diamondbacks need – you can make a case the Diamondbacks need multiple starters. Um, but yeah, getting true. getting one starter uh, would make a huge difference. And, and even, you know, thinking ahead to what, a you know, a five-game playoff series would look like, uh, you need more than Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly. You just Correct. do. I mean, you're not – you're just not even a viable – team in a five game series right now you can't right. run out tommy henry and zach davies or whatever it is in a game three and four it's it just i don't think that's really a viable option yeah. for them so yeah mike hazen has has no choice from my perspective to to be aggressive and to maybe try to get these moves done sooner than later which is a really hard time a really hard thing to do especially given the scarcity of pitchers on the market but the d-backs would benefit a lot from you know, if they're going to go get a Lucas Giolito or a Marcus Stroman or whoever it is, getting that guy on, on June 30th is a whole lot better than getting that guy on July 30th. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know realistically if that's going to be possible for them, but I think if you're Mike Hazen in, in, in the D-backs front office right now, you have to try to be as aggressive as, as you possibly can. Well, we know Father's Day is here, Jesse. Uh, we know fathers are hard to shop for. I'm hard to shop for. Uh, you've professed. Your dad's hard to shop for. Uh, and one thing that you can get your dad, uh, weed and beer. Why not? Uh, what's what's Who wrong with no? that? Who says no? Father's Day is coming up. OG's is the perfect gift. Uh, you can get a happy balance that will have them having a great time out at the links, hitting some golf balls, need an energy boost. You can go with a sunny sativa. Uh, so much more. They have a wide variety of doses and strains, whatever you need, including Give your dad the best night of sleep he's ever had with the Aquaberry Sleep Edition gummy, uh, as well as all sorts of other options. It's seriously never been easier to cross Father's Day shopping off your list. Check out OG's online at ogsbrands.com or on Instagram at ogsbrands. You can also find their products at your local dispensary. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. I purchased my father one time uh, a sugar-free chocolate bar. Uh, that was medicated, and uh, he was. Uh, it was like one, one of the five times in life he's been like the most proud of me. <laughs> I'd never seen such a big smile on his face. But you can also get your dad, of course, twelve packs of Four Peaks. I mean, again, you you, you think gift gifting for your dad is hard? It's not. You're just overthinking it. Bring your dad beer, and he will just hug you. Uh, <laughs> you know, any alcohol is great, but Four Peaks is the best way to go. It's the official craft beer of the Arizona Diamondbacks. So if your dad is a D-backs fan, of course, grab him some rattle on red ale uh, or take him to a ball game at Chase Field and hop up to the Four Peaks draft room located on the suite level down the first baseline in deep right and have a ball. Also, you can get him some tickets to the D-backs takeover and come out with us in July. No matter what, you can hook your dad up with Four Peaks. You can also hook teachers up with Four Peaks with their Four Peaks for Teachers promotion. Every year, Four Peaks donates school supplies to teachers around the valley. They're also having uh, giving away 11 $1,000 cash grants and a teacher's lounge renovation to one lucky teacher, all provided by Four Peaks. To thank a teacher, you can go to fourpeaksforteachers.org and complete the form to enter for their chance to win. Nominations are due on June 30th, so make sure to do that immediately if you want to thank that teacher. Again, fourpeaksforteachers.org to nominate. Check out at Four Peaks Brew or at Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest at Arizona's hometown brewery. Must be 21 or older to drink Four Peaks, and please drink responsibly. Jesse, thank you for sticking around because we just wanted to talk about these probables. Uh, and again, we're thankful to see a team that isn't the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, so the Cleveland Guardians coming in here, which uh, were a very hot team last year. Uh, and we get a chance to potentially see future Arizona Diamondback Shane Bieber and how he will look <laughs> at Chase Field. But 
Uh, what are your thoughts on these matchups, especially with uh, Galentine's Day being in game one? Yeah, that's a good pitching matchup. Uh, I, th- I think Tristan McKenzie is just coming back from the injured list, uh, at least pretty recently. Uh, he's good. Tristan McKenzie is really good. He pitched in the playoffs last year for the Guardians and, uh, you know, looked look pretty good there. So that's a pretty good pitching matchup on Friday. Saturday, things are a little lopsided, unfortunately, for the D-backs with Shane Bieber against Tommy Henry um, and then Bibby against against Davies on, on, uh, in the finale on Sunday is also definitely advantage guardians but at the end of the day the the, i mean the guardians issue this year the reason that they have the record that they do is that their offense is just sort of falling apart Mm -hmm. uh jose ramirez is not having the year that he normally has andres jimenez uh has taken a huge step back after becoming one of the best young position players seemingly last year um so yeah uh, guard you know you're not necessarily getting a break from a pitching standpoint uh, right. But this is no Bryce Harper, Trey Turner, JT Romuto, Kyle Schwarber nonsense. Uh, the Guardians, <laughs> the Guardians do not it's a have murderers row of guys. Even though Schwarber's still hitting 176, um, but yes, I think a little bit of relief. But like we said, the Diamondbacks don't have any more stretches where uh, it's as kind to them as yeah. it was during May. So this really is the the test, and we've said that they've won against teams that they should win against. Uh, and they should be able to take this series against the Guardians. Hopefully, instead of being in such a jovial mood after watching Josh Rojas pitch, <laughs> they, they got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder yeah. after losing two games by one run to a team that, honestly, they they could have beat. That's why I think you love seeing Zach Gallon being the, the first pitcher in the series, too, especially after a series like this. Yeah. And yeah. Zach's recent stretch, like both the team and Zach himself have a little bit of getting on track to do. Um, so starting this starting the series with with him hopefully getting everybody back on track bodes well for the not just the rest of the series but then on i like nicholas's comment too he says the athletic is the athletic has been talking about how bieber's velocity is pretty down this year i know strom could provide a boost to him though let's whoop his ass yeah and like get his Lower era his through the roof lower his value maybe we can maybe we can get him for a steal maybe we can get him on the clearance I mean, section. the last thing i remember seeing about bieber and his like trade value was that people didn't think he would be like an X factor in the playoffs. And so it was going right. to lower his value. Yeah. So if his value want to lower value a little bit more, get him, get him on the cheap. Let's go. Uh, he well, was just, really good. I think Bieber was really good his last time out. I don't remember uh, who he faced. I think it was a pretty formidable lineup though. And, and he had a really good outing. So yeah, maybe his value is coming up a little bit, but I also heard the same thing that Sean just talked about uh, where I think some executive, some anonymous executive made a comment about, like, is Shane Bieber actually a needle mover for a playoff team? Does he actually make you all that much better? Uh, and we do know that the Guardians, although they have a history of trading uh, pitchers right before they hit free agency, uh, Bieber is set to hit free agency after next season, they also do not uh, they do not compromise on their price very much. Yeah. Uh, they like to really set the, the bar high. And, and, I mean, they've gotten it in the past. They traded Mike Clevenger. They traded Trevor Bauer. Um, you know, they have had some success doing that, but I'm not sure Shane Bieber uh, is perceived around the league quite the way, the same way that those guys are. Yeah, Bieber's last start was seven innings pitch, three hits, zero earned runs, nine strikeouts against the Houston Astros. Oh, Pretty wow. good baseball oh, team. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. he had one hell of an outing in his last outing. So right. hopefully he's coming in with a little bit too much confidence. We yeah, I like that. I knock like him that. off his pedestal. I like that. Well, hopefully we see the young guys rebound because if they don't, uh, things don't look great for this Diamondbacks team. But uh, it does look great when you take a look at the All-City Division standings because 
Uh, we still got that double-digit lead, baby. Uh, Diamondbacks up 10 games in the division uh, to the next closest team, and then everybody else is just way back there in our rearview mirror. I saw the Cubs trying to formulate some plan to get to first in their division, uh, and then I looked it up, and they are actually, with a 30-37 and 37 record, not that far back from first place. Yes, yeah, because the central division <laughs> in both conference or both leagues is a joke. I also have uh, something pretty interesting oh, about yes. this. I went at the league-wide standings and looked at it, and the Cubs, White Sox, and Rockies are all in order right next to each other towards like in the bottom, bottom like of five the- to <laughs> ten of the, of the whole league. And they all have – they're all directly next to each other in That's standings. Hilarious. Cubs at 30 and 37 are four and a half games back in the division, yet they're in fourth wow. place. Rockies currently getting uh, just – yeah, smoked by the, smoked. the Braves, 5-1 yeah. in the after two. Yeah, that's about to be 13 games back. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Patrick. Sorry, the White Sox are The White Sox are probably – the White Sox got the no, Dodgers I mean, tonight. Yeah. They got the uh, Dodgers series. Or, oh. yeah, the Dodgers tonight. The, Do- the, the White Sox might be the most frustrating franchise in, in baseball right now. Yeah. It's so yeah. – I feel I, I don't feel bad for them, but I can I can kind of empathize with our people over at CHGO White Sox. Yeah, that's not easy. And I said sorry to Suze, but I take it back because she's a Phillies fan, so – yeah, she no. is a Phillies fan. No, no, sorry for you, <laughs> Susie Hunter. Jesse, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And, of course, make sure to drink plenty of water and get home safe. Uh, text me the minute you're home just so I know you're okay. Text us. Text both chat. of us. Yeah, we need both of us to get that chat now. Not just me now. There's, more, there's two of us that care about you. I'm pretty sure that since I, since I came, you know, during the watch along, I'm pretty sure that I got like the last available parking spot in the Chasefield garage. Um, so I'm, I'm at like the open, like the open part of the garage. Oh, gross! Oh, your car's gonna my, be so hot when you get in your sick Rav Four. I know it's it's not it's not gonna be great, but you know yeah. life is always pretty good in the sick Rav Four, no matter That's how true. hot it is. <laughs> it's true. So. It's pretty great when you cover the first place team of the National League West, too, buddy. Uh, all right, thank you again, Jesse. Thanks, guys. Uh, all right, well. That's what we got. More furniture. Jesse's got to go get the Chase Lounges. He's got that whole endorsement deal with more furniture. But uh, if you want something other than a Chase Lounge, make sure to check out more furniture. They have lots of other furniture to offer. I promise you. I know we just dwell on the Chase Lounges, but this uh, this table in front of us came from more furniture. It's very sick. Uh, the more I do shows in this studio, because we used to be in B all the time. Now we're we moved up. Sean got here. We get up to Studio A. Now we're now we're big time. But uh, we're sitting in the big seats and the big furniture, and I'm I'm enjoying it. These are these are these almost feel like thrones compared. Yeah, to, it's funny to the chairs we're sitting on, in. Uh, on Cardinal or Coyotes earlier today. Petey was complaining about how since Craig's been gone, they've been demoted to the two yeah, person studio. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and meanwhile, his back's been sore, life. and he hasn't he doesn't get to sit in these chairs. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. he literally had to go because he we have some other chairs over there, and he had to go switch it out for a more furniture chair. So we can be comfy. He does. He does. That's how good their furniture is. Uh, and they also deliver it to you with their white glove delivery service. So don't lift a finger. Just tell them where it goes. They'll even e- rearrange other furniture for you, I guess. It's craziness. But uh, check out our friends at More Furniture. Uh, save big on the best furniture in the Valley when you head to morefurniture.com. Another great uh, Father's Day gift, by the way. More Furniture. True. Get your dad a recliner. He will love you forever. That is, uh, uh, yeah. That's I feel like that gift. is the, like, you think about, like, dad things. They need a good recliner. Man, if they just got like a recliner with a giant bow on it, could you yeah. imagine the tear in the eye? That's gonna, gonna uh, put your your little sibling's uh, tie that they got them for. Yeah, to shame. You know, just to shame, absolutely. But you can also check out Foco for Father's Day gifts. They're the leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes wonderful, wonderful stuff, including apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, uh, bobbleheads, 
Let's talk about the bobbleheads. The bobbleheads are incredible. You see some of them we down there. Yeah, we lost. We left all of our merch yeah, for the set. In yeah, the studio. Our, 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 our merch is in Studio B, and then you got Bo in there just doing the Cardinals, Cardinals thing, keeping doesn't... us from, you know, literally literally gatekeeping us from our photo stuff. So upset. Uh, we had to do our best uh, to come up with some set dressings today, but uh, that little tiny Cattell Marte with the, the king snake around his shoulders uh, would have been so fitting for today, considering mm -hmm. he was our king snake. Uh, and, of course, you can get wonderful bobbleheads like that and so much more over at FOCO.com. FOCO always has our back for Arizona sports. You know when some of those other collectible companies don't. Uh, and they have yours, nice. too. Get the best gear around by visiting FOCO.com and using code PHNX. For all non-presale items, use the code PHNX, and you will get 10% off today. Before we get out of here, I feel like we got to see the King State graphic because we didn't get a chance to earlier. Let's see it. We Throw it up there. We don't have the bobblehead up there, but there Cattell. he is. Yeah, Two baby. for four, Look one dinner, three RBI. It looks like he's looking at the King State. Oh, yeah, it looks like he's looking at your graphic going, damn, <laughs> Sean, that is a clean graphic. I always, whenever we have a King Snake, I always try to find a, where they're looking up. Damn, look at that. I got King Snake? Hell, Hell yeah, yeah, baby. Like, look at how excited yeah. he is. Man, great stuff, but... Uh, I am actually getting out of here. I am leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again, but in the meantime, these guys are going to hold it down for me I'm tomorrow. Sorry, on a wait, jet plane? A jet plane? Are you going to PJ? I am going to Ooh, Chicago what? and then Minneapolis over the course of a weekend in a very short amount of time. How I get there and what I'll be doing there is none of your guys' business. Well, the but thing is, is got, knew you were leaving, but no one knew you were on PJ a PJ part. They got friends look, on high places over here. Look, I'm just PJ saying. PJ drama called uh, PJ Pajamas. We, we 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 have moves to make this weekend, and yeah, I know it's Father's Day, but uh, I just, that's what Father's Day means. I can do what I want. Right? Yeah, that's yeah. what it means. I don't have to spend it with my family. I mean, whatever. We'll Facetime. I feel bad, so I'm trying to just make jokes about it. That's but crazy. I will be back on. They didn't Monday. invite us on the PJ either. No, no, there's not there's not room in the limo from the circa and there's not oh, room on the PJ. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, mean it's yeah. a tight fit. There's a lot of guys in there. I'll already, pay I'll, 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 I, ground transportation, <laughs> I'm fine. As long as you can get me in the seat on the PJ, I'll figure everything else out. Uh well make sure to join these guys tomorrow. We're doing a post they're doing a post show uh after that first game with the Guardian series. And then we will be back on Monday for our, our normal mailbag Monday episode, which I think we're doing uh, it's one o'clock still. Right? Yeah, yeah. We got a lot long. of we got a lot of post games next week, so you guys should be excited about that schedule once we get that up. I think the one o'clock show on Monday is the only one p.m. show. I think everything else next week is doing post game stuff. So make sure to join us for that. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Cap underscore Caveman with a K. This guy next to me is at Sean underscore Depaz. Jesse is at Jesse and Friedman. That madman behind the Mac is no, the one and only Damon. You can follow him at Damon Dog. That's D A W G uh, with a little at the end but of course our show is at phnx underscore dbacks and all roads lead to at phnx underscore sports on twitter instagram and facebook we thank you again for joining us uh and we hope you guys have a wonderful weekend i do because i'm starting mine early but uh we appreciate you guys stopping by and remember kids baseball is fun but it's so much more fun when you spend father's day with your actual family <laughs> <laughs>